Okay. This is episode four. Uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, clean humor because uh, I did uh, offensive humor last time and I want to even it up. Okay. So, I think clean humor especially is the hardest, most difficult thing to do. Um, because it's just how we talk. Like, you kind of do your act how you talk most of the time. Not always, but... Not always for people, but... If you're a person prone to cursing or, like, just general language, harsh language, then you're gonna do that in your act. Also, it depends on the circumstance, you know. You can have a completely clean joke without any cursing or anything and do, like, penis jokes or dick jokes. And Jim Gaffigan has done that, and he's known as one of the cleanest guys. I don't think he's a clean comic. He used to be pretty dirty, but especially on his first album, he did some stuff, but he cursed and stuff. But he sort of curbed that, and he's just, like, casual. Like, he's clean, but casual clean. Like, not too clean. He's too clean that he can, you know, say, you know, you're a dick when talking about someone that doesn't go to McDonald's. It's, like, too snooty to go to McDonald's. You know, he'll say something like, well, McDonald's wouldn't want you because you're a dick. And that still counts him as a clean comedian. But then someone else can, you know, say, you know, the C word, and, you know, this is completely different. And it's all the same thing with comedy. It's just context. And uh, also, I have a lot of respect for it because, especially for those that don't have any type of angle, or, like, a lot of, uh, right-wing, conservative, uh, or religious, like, if they're religious comics, they'll cater to that, and they'll do clean material because of that, because they can make good money going and just doing colleges that are religious-based, and, uh, churches, and events like that, and they can be completely different from the secular world of comedy, which can be pretty, which is much more diverse, and much, and can be much grittier, or much more open and free, you know, there's not a whole lot, lot you can laugh at, uh, in that sort of spectrum, you know, I, I would say, like, Jim Gaffigan, he's the He's a, not a, he's a clean, he's seen as a clean comic, but I don't think he's seen as, like, a, an overly religious comic, you know. In his earlier act, for years, he would, you know, he gave sort of an agnostic view on stuff. And, you know, he would make fun of religion and holidays and, like, you know, he has this great bit about uh, Easter. It's like, or see something, and then he's, like, explaining it, he's like, how about eggs? What does eggs have to do with it? Easter? We'll hide them. <laughs> it's like great. Or uh, Christmas is like something like a, a drunk man would do. Like Jim Gaffigan has this great bit. He's like about that. He's like, you know, 
woman comes in, she's like, Honey, why is there a tree in our living room? I like it. It's Christmas. It makes it all Christmassy. And, you know, it's just like, stuff like that. Or, uh, he has this one line, one of his, like, I think it's his second element. Uh, you see that guy with the almost identical religion as mine? I want to kill him. Because my God's all about love. You know, even a religious person can make jokes like that. And, you know, a Christian comic, quotations, Christian, and would, uh, you know, never do that. Never do that at all. And, you know, a lot of favorite comedians of mine are seen as clean to some when they're really not. Like, Pete Holmes has talked about this. He used to be clean, but when he used to be religious, but now he's, you know, more spiritual as a person. That's a whole other conversation and journey, and that's really cool for him. But he talks like a normal guy. Like, he curses. He talks about sex and news. It's because he's a 37-year-old dude, and, you know, he's... It's funny, like, people will come up to him after a show, he says, and they'll be like... Oh, you're so clean, it's so nice to see a clean comic. And he's like, I see a motherfucker on stage, what are you talking about? And also, when a comedian is not, like, a super right-winger or conservative, it can be sort of weird for them. Like, Brian Reagan, or Reagan, I always say his name wrong, Brian Reagan, he is known as the cleanest comic ever. He does not curse at all. If he curses, maybe he'll say hell or damn. But not even that, like, reason recently. And it's not because he's super religious or political. I don't know his political stuff, but I know he's agnostic. And, like, he... It's just interesting, because he'll talk about how he's a huge fan of Carlin and all the all the comics of many different styles. He's friends with Carrot Top, because he lives in Vegas. And he... He has confronted some... Sometimes people, or elder, older people, or anyone will come up to him and say, specifically women, I would think, would say to him, oh, I'm glad you don't do that type of comedy, you know? Like, it's, like, he does the clean, like, good comedy, and all that other stuff is bad. And he goes, no, I like those comedians. I like that, that style comedy, too. It's just my sense of humor that I go clean. And, uh... It's the same thing. Uh, Mike Birbiglia had that, too, on his first album. He he worked very hard not to have the little censor uh, thing on it, note on it, because his mom never wanted him to be one of those comedians. But he was, like many of us, a fan of those comedians that were dirty. And, you know, now he... And his style has changed so much, but that's a different thing. But, you know, it can be a big thing. Some people will be like, they don't want their parents to come to their shows or see them do stand because maybe it's not like mean towards their parents. Like, they don't do any material like that, but it's just, you know, they curse on stage or comedians that are, they surround themselves with are dirty. And, you know, you want to kind of keep up that facade. I don't know, but. I think funny is funny, and that's how anything, everything is, you know. 
I love, uh, there's this kind of newer comic. He's kind of risen up in the air through Canada. And Canada has a great scene, actually. And, uh, his name is Ivan Decker. He has a, a uh, a special, not a special, an album. His first album on iTunes. It's on Spotify and stuff. Uh, I think it's called I Want to Be a Dinosaur. I Want to Be a Dinosaur. And it came out, it was taped in 2015, came out in 2016. And he's a clean comic. And it's the same thing. It's just like it, he pushes himself to do that, to be a clean comic. And, you know, it's... It's great. He's great. And, you know, it's not it's super religious or super political. It's just, you know, it's just his way that he does stuff. And it's challenges us. And it's a good one. You know, I can't... I never really realized, like, that I could do both. Or maybe I just got better at doing both of the past almost three years. But, um... Yeah, I'll do a show and I'll take an Uber home. <laughs> And they'll ask me majority of the time after I tell them what I kind of did with that night and did that night, and they're like, "Are you clean or dirty? Do you work blue?" I'm like, "I, I, I don't, I don't know how to respond because I don't view humor that way. I don't view one style as greater than the other. There are certain things I don't think count as, you know, sort of comedy. I think they're in their own artistic bubble, like uh, ventriloquism. I don't think that is really." stand-up comedy, but it is a performance art, and it is its own thing, it's its own genre, and there are many subgenres of stand-up comedy, there's musical, there's observational, there's of course blue, dirty, you know, clean, whatever, political, you know, and there's all, the old comedy scene, which I'll get into uh, in an episode in itself, but, uh, you know, there's character comics. You know, it just is... There's a difference between every... In the whole entire thing. But the one similar thing is... They all have the same goal. And that's to make people laugh. And that's kind of like the beautiful thing about it. It's like... We're all... Regardless of what your intention may be... Or what I personally think the intention of the comedian should be... Everyone has a different thing that they can relate to with a comedian. And that's a cool thing, you know. A lot of people that are shy or socially awkward, they kind of get a representation now from comedians because they find out that, yeah, this person's on stage and maybe you can never personally do that, but you'll identify with their uh, material. And I think that's very cool, you know. You find your audience and... Some people find their audience and they just care to that and they get kind of a following from that and they just do that. And some people, they try to reach everybody and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And that's a big thing, you know. Um, what else can I talk about next? What's supposed to clean comedy? Like, for me, I'm a very eccentric human being, I would say. Kind of like Michael Jackson in a way, but just one of those, like, you know, people that when people watch me or observe me, I found out, like, especially comed other comedians, it's, there's a whole lot that you can take from my quirks and, uh, mannerisms and, uh, 
just stuff that I do and uh, stuff that I say. And I think this whole thing in itself to really find... Because mostly when you talk about yourself, that's kind of like the easiest thing you do as a comic is just introduce yourself. Cause, and when you're starting out, it's particularly hard because you, you don't know yourself. Unless you're starting at an older age, you don't really know who you are. And so you're kind of struggling with describing who you are and catering jokes to that and then doing that stuff, you know. So it's kind of interesting to see how I was three years ago, almost three years ago. I'm not really that different. I think I've kind of embraced sort of things about my personality that I sort of hype up, you know, bring up to a weapon. You know, it's like pro wrestling, kind of in that way, you know. Great pro wrestlers, they always say, you know, you just bring your personality up to 11. That's what you do. And I sort of get that now, that I sort of do that. You know, I'm a very opinionated, you know, person. And, you know, I kind of, you know, can up that and enhance that a bit and make fun of it, but also utilize it well, you know. It's Lewis Black, he's a political comedian, but he's great, like, in everything. And he uh, was the voice of anger in Inside Out, and he was, he just said, you know, I'm funny when I'm angry. And that's sort of how he found his voice. And finding your voice is such, like, a hipster, like, I guess, kind of comedy and everything idea in itself, because a lot of comedians talk about it, professional comedians talk about it, and I think it's... You know, you find your voice as an artist in any form, you know. A writer will find their voice, a singer, anyone. My sort of voice now is that I'm sort of this Peter Pan syndrome type of person. You know, a person who doesn't want to grow up that I think a lot of people can relate to, you know. Someone who kind of came from, you know, kind of a cushy, very nice life opposed to others. And, you know, a lot of people who do comedy or flock to comedy, I think, in its beginning, I know there's kind of like a sad clown type of trope. And that can be anyone. You know, I have depression stuff inside me. But a lot of, you know, people who have been through dramatic lives become comics or artists or musicians. And it's just like that. And for me... It's kind of exposing myself to groups of people that I would never, you know, hang out with or never, you know, concern myself with. And that's really cool. You know, like, I'm a very progressive person, and it's so cool that I'm able to meet so many people of different races and religions and, uh, you know, sexuality and gender, and you sort of learn, you know, and it's very interesting how welcoming everything is as opposed to how it used to not be you know it's crazy to think that back maybe even 20 years ago that there wasn't you know there was sexism in comedy clubs and in in comedy itself and racism probably and you know it used to be in the 90s and 80s I think there'd be, like, 
more um, progressive-minded, but it wasn't really, it was really just to cash it on that. You didn't really, you know, I don't know how to word right to get into this, but it was never like Eddie Murphy comedian. It would be like Eddie Murphy, you'd have like black comedian's name, like Bob something, and then black comedian <laughs> next to their name. Italian comedian, Jewish comedian, female comedian. And it's just like, you know, it just is sort of a thing because some people think, you know, certain things, attributes of people can be funny and cannot. A lot of people think, you know, still think women can be funny, and I think that's absurd and very uh, backwards thinking. There are many great women comics. There are many great men comics. There are many great transgender comics. There are many great, you know, comics of every type of orientation and lifestyle. And I think there's, it's so weird. There's, a lot of comedians have said this before. When you go to a comedy club, you're essentially going into a building that says comedy on it. You don't go into a music club to listen to music or see a concert that just says music, you know? You can't just do that. Like, you can, you know, you're exposed to so much and so many different people. And I really think, I've said this before, comedy is like the world, the representation of the world. It's a representation of our pop culture affecting us and our opinions on stuff. You know, how much we've changed over the years just with, you know, living in comedy, but also, you know, most comedians, including myself and, like, tons of comedians nowadays, have been pro-LGBT and pro-gay rights and everything. And back then, in the 80s and stuff, and maybe even the 90s, it wasn't. Like, Eddie Murphy's special, I think, Raw. I can't watch that because he just, he drops the F-bomb so much. He, he uses the word faggot, and it just... It's it just doesn't resonate with me, and I shouldn't feel that way. Like I shouldn't be like, no words are just words, and but you know, it just looks so out of poor taste nowadays. And you know, I was never a big fan of Eddie Murphy, but I sort of get his vibe. You know, I wouldn't say he's not funny. He's definitely been a successful actor, and people loved him as a comedian. But he's not my cup of tea. You know, I don't like. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of, say, Taylor Swift, but I, it's not because I don't think she's a bad singer. It's just not for me, you know. And, you know, it's that way. Speaking of uh, certain characteristics of me, I've sort of noticed throughout this time of uh, doing stand-up and doing this podcast is my regular thing of thinking is what I'm thinking and trying to, on the spot, I say um a lot, and uh, which I don't like, but you should see the inside of my brain, because it's very hard to navigate, it's like, uh, if you ever saw Spongebob, the episode where he's working really hard as a waiter, and we see the inside of his brain, and all the little Spongebob are like freaking out, and like, someone asks him his name, and then the people inside his head are like, 
what's his name, what's his name, and they're looking up on the computer, and they're like, they can't figure it out, and she's stressed out, and I think that happens a lot with me, you know, just so much things going on, and trying to talk, and press this button here, and do this podcast, and try to make it longer, and better, and consistent, so I think it's, it's an interesting thing. Like I said, like I say, uh, a lot of stuff the same, and I, but I love, you know, I love kind of having a voice to speak out, because as a kid, I was very, I was afraid of everything, I was pretty shy, I was just, you know, I would say, you know, that's like another, you know, quirk of mine, or thing I say. Um, so, when I was a kid, I was just, you know, very sweet little boy, very, you know. Now, I'm kind of this argumentative, you know, judgmental, uh, moody person, and, you know, I think I'm still a nice guy, and I try to be, but... I think you just get formed, you form an opinion and a worldview point where when you're a kid you're like, I'm afraid of some stuff. Some stuff is definitely scary and some stuff I definitely don't like. But for a majority of the time, this is very nice. This is all sunshine and rainbows for me. And then you become an adult and you realize like you get into politics or you meet people and you're like, oh, this is just the worst, these people the worst, and that's where you come into being a performer, I think, and being a comedian, I think it's like that, you're sort of pointing out, like if you're an observational comic, which I think everyone sort of is, that, but if you do comedy, you sort of realize, a lot of comedians have said in their books and interviews and stuff that comedians point out everything, you know, the comedian most likely wasn't the funny guy in school. He wasn't the class clown. He was the guy looking at the class clown and being like, why is this guy considered funny? He's just an asshole or he's just annoying. Now, we're sort of in the back of the room type of people because, and it's an, it is a really fascinating uh, thing with comedians. Is I used to think all comedians were like Jim Carrey. Like, they would just be like, or Robin Williams, and just be on all the time, and be, you know, these super, uh, what's the word, um, like, not rambunctious, just super, like, out there, super, you know, funny on time, and always entertaining, and always outgoing, but a lot of comedians are very, you know, shy, or socially awkward, and it's sort of an interesting thing with different, you know, friendships in comedy. And, you know, it's a big social thing. It's such a social, it's such a social interaction. It's so social-based. Uh, before you get on stage with every comedian, and then you get on stage, and you sort of have to, you know, you're not only performing for yourself, but for the audience and for the comics and for your friends and out. And they're also 
people you're sort of competing against for attention and uh, trying to be better than or trying to be funnier than. And it's just a very big social thing now. And I think that's a very interesting thing. Like, I always thought people would be, you know, comedians or these, like, or the top kind of performers and just these, you know, sort of maniacs in that way. And that's actually pretty rare now. You know, I think when I can think of someone like that, and he's getting very popular now, is uh, T.J. Miller. He's one of those guys, and, you know, they just have sort of an it factor to them, or they can't turn off the funny. They have to keep on doing it. And me, I can be funny in real life, kind of, once in a while, you know, I'll say a funny remark, or I'll notice something, and I'll sort of whip out something. I did improv for three years, so that truly heightened my use of, you know, kind of being fast on the spot. And so, but I don't think I see myself as someone who's like on all the time. Like, you see me, I'm a very mellow person. And depending on my mood, you know, Sometimes I can be very positive in that person. I can be kind of like an optimist. And sometimes I'm a very, uh, what's the word? Like negative person. Or misanthropic. Misanthropic? Misanthropic. Just like, just misanthrope. Kind of negative and, you know, judgmental. And mean. And, you know, you never know what you're going to get, you know. And that's a big thing for me that I always like about doing stand-up is, you know, if I go out to a gig, like even if it's just an open mic, a smaller show, or a really big show, it's that it's the time you take to get there, you know? It's getting there is not the better for me, you know? Got to shower, got to change in the clothes, because, you know, you can't wear, you know, non-matching clothes or, you know, you gotta look presentable, at least, and in the outside world, in any type of case, you know, if it was me, I'd just go out in, you know, sweatpants and whatever, but all the time, and sometimes I do that, but you gotta make yourself presentable, and, you know, just like a human being, you know, there are some choices you can make, you know, you don't have to wear socks. I think that's a majorly overrated uh, concept. Because uh, people don't look at your socks. And, you know, you can get away with that. Like, you don't even have to wear underwear. And, well, we do. And, you know, it just is sort of a thing we do. But for me, you know, I when I, sh I shower and get my hair done, but fix my hair up and everything. But that's because I have a weird hairstyle. I have a side mullet. A lot of people think, like, it's for my comedy, and it kind of is, but not really. I I wanted to do it for a while. I uh, styled my hair into a mullet in high school. I don't know why. It was just something that I could do. I have very curly hair. I'm told I have very nice hair. Women are often jealous of me and my mom to used to be a hairdresser, so uh, she helps me with it sometimes, but 
I got my hairstyle based off of a Japanese professional wrestler, Shinsuke Nakamura. And also there's a lesbian comedian, uh, Cameron Esposito, who has the same hairstyle. And, you know, I just like, wanted it for a while, for like a year, and then I got it done. And now it's sort of a thing. And, you know, I got a headshot done, like a professional headshot done with one of my mom's friends, one of my brother's friend's dad, who was a photographer and he did stuff for our photography for our bar mitzvahs. And uh, I had the side mullet and it was recently shaven and so I kind of want to keep that image, you know. I kind of want to keep that, and, you know. Some, it's often a good point, like I talked about roasting in the last episode, I love that people can sort of tease me over it, and, you know, finding the best sort of way to go about it, and, you know, it's very much fodder for, uh, it's another eccentricity about me that is fodder for other people to sort of observe and, you know, see, I think that's kind of what every comic sort of is in the long run if you look at the grand scope of all the professional comedians and even like amateur means just starting out or you know anyone that's really performing now is everyone has themselves. Everyone is who they are 24 7. At least for part, they, if you do a character or something, it's still you wrapped up in something else, and it can still be authentic, you know. I, I think comedians, I never go saying no again. <laughs> Fuck. Um, so I'm at the 30 minute mark here. Um, that's insane. You know, just going on about clean comedy and comedy in general. Sooner or later, I'll be able to do this with other people and, you know, figure out how to do that. But, uh, I really would like, uh, this to be something that, you know, people can listen to. You know, friends and family and also, you know, strangers too. And just sort of get myself out there more. It's kind of like a big publicity thing, kind of, but it's something I really want to do. Because I listen to podcasts all the time, and, you know, it's the same thing with stand-up, or, like, performing in general, or anything in life. You just think, hmm, I could do that, and then you do it. Now, there's a lot of self-doubt that comes with it, though, with anything that I do. But, you gotta push yourself forward. You know, I've gotten a lot of compliments from, you know, trying to get on shows, and, you know, talking with club owners, and different people that book shows and they'll be like and they'll bring up my you know gumption and everything it's just like I want this I want to do good I want to I want to succeed at this and it's a very uh, cool um, experience and it kind of shows like it's kind of uh, It is kind of, seems overly dramatic, but it very much is, you have to sort of, you know, 
accommodate, and I think performing anything, like if you're a musician or any type of job, or even if you're an athlete, it's like you want to be this, we're going to throw everything at you that you have to do to do it. And I like that sort of challenge to be like, I can still do all this stuff that I need to do, but not sell out. <laughs> and like, that sounds very wannabe punk rock for me. It's like, not one to sell out, not one to change too much. Because, you know, I've gotten, you know, sort of advice to change up my look, look more professional, whatever that is, you know. But I gotta be authentic and be myself, you know. Because I don't want to get to where I want to get by the facade or, you know, untruthful. Because I think a big part of my comedy is just being truthful and a big part of being myself is, you know, I can be sort of, I'd rather be this outspoken, you know, person than sort of this, the opposite or, you know, sheltered, watered down version of that. Um, I think that's an interesting thing to think about as a human being, you know. Would you take a job, or would you do something, or take an opportunity that forced you to change? Or would you keep doing something and keep a, an aspect of you that you hold kind of closely, or that you kind of are comfortable with, and not throw it away, even if that means risking certain opportunities? It's a very interesting thing, you know. Like me, maybe I could just do short hair, and I could also do short hair, and you know, it won't affect my comedy. Or I'll have something, nothing to talk about with sort of my looks, or all. and that'll force me to write newer jokes or better jokes. I don't know. But for now, I just sort of like to see where this goes. And you know, it's not like the character thing, or like, you know, I gotta do it for on stage, you know, if I didn't like it, I'd get rid of it, but I like the way I look, and, you know, of course I'd love to lose weight, I've been doing that a little bit, you know, still keeping within the usual range of my body, but, you know, as long as I can stay healthy enough to, you know, move around and, you know, live life, like, I'm not gonna, you know, make myself super fat just to keep up my, uh, sort of, whatever I view my, as a gimmick or whatever, like, just, like, keep it up with someone to know. I just, I want to be me, and I think that's, um, I think a lot of people would find that, I don't know how people would think about that, if, you know, because maybe there are some people sometimes you meet, and you're like, maybe you shouldn't be yourself all the time saying, but for me, I know I have to be myself. I have to. And it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. Okay, I'm at the 35 minute mark. Uh, let's see what else I can talk about. Um, coming up, uh, next, in next episode, probably in a few weeks, uh, probably in two or three weeks, uh, I think it's two weeks, before WrestleMania, I think, uh, 
like a day before WrestleMania, I'll do predictions for that. You know, it's going to be great. And, uh, I'll also, I just want to do some episodes talking about specific comedians, breaking down sort of their careers and sort of their styles and what they've gone through and what they do. I'd love to do an episode on Pete Holmes and John Mulaney and, of course, who I talked about earlier, Brian Reagan and, you know, someone like Patton Oswalt, who's a hero of mine, or George Carlin. And, you know, really get into it. But, for now, I've been Richard Dweck. This has been What the Heck with Richard Dweck. Or, as some may say, What the Dweck. Or some may call me Dweck and Bowles, you know, or, you know. I always say, because of my shitty sort of moniker, one of my nicknames for myself, sort of, with a few comedians, friends, that I sort of describe myself as, if I were to describe sort of my voice or persona now, it's sort of all different walls. That's kind of like my thing, because it's play on words with the name Dick for Richard, and it sort of brings up sort of my, uh, it kind of touches upon my outspokenness, but also deep down how I'm not really that brave of a person, or, you know, or I'm still kind of a, you know, coward, like I'll say, or I'm not like a tough person, but I'm outspoken and opinionated like that. So it's like, like one of my jokes I always talk about is I think the term, you know, pussy for a coward is kind of, you know, sexist and like just incorrect. Vaginas are very strong, you know. You can, they can put a baby out, you know. They can, that's where babies come out of, you know. That's a very strong place. I'm more like, I think as a coward, I'm I'm more represented by a ball sack, really, by a nail scrotum, you know. I'm just, you know, my body's all blind, I'm very weak, you know. It's, it's just a funny thing, but it's one of those things that's why why do we use those certain words? You know, that's sort of what I sort of go through. Like one of my other things is I don't like the word uh tits for slang for breasts. I think when men use it it's very, you know, demeaning. And, you know it's just like it just is like I just think it's very demeaning and kinda of lazy. And like that's just a thing for me that I go through with stuff. I love analyzing words. I'm a huge George Carlin fan, and he did a lot of that. And, you know, I love, you know, finding different phrases and things to go through. And there are so many uh, things that sort of affect my comedy. Um, getting close to the 40-minute mark. Uh, this is uh, 39 minutes. 30 seconds now, uh, maybe a little bit after, uh, thank you, bye-bye, talk to you later.